Welcome to the Warrior Mindset Podcast. We are your guide as you make your way through life, getting better 1% every day. We believe that life is lived and true victory won through adversity. Nothing easy is ever worth it. We believe in the warrior ethos and support those that choose to walk that path. Well, uh, all right, everybody. Uh, Fiona, thank you for joining me today. I've got uh, Fiona Martin joining me. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Gene. Good. Uh, Fiona's a, I would say, a longtime member of one of my businesses, SoCo, which is a co-work. Mm-hmm. I've, I've known you for a while, and while I haven't been present really in any of the um, the groups stuff that we do at SoCo, uh, help me. What is that called? The forums. Yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. It's all these different names. Um, the forums. I know you're a forum member, uh, business owner, triathlete, mm-hmm. um, champion triathlete, if I <laughs> must say so. Um, so yeah. So how long have you been running your own business? I started my own business, FGM Internet Marketing, in 2011. So I was. Um, Previous to that, I was living in Scotland and I was working at Visit Scotland, which is the Scottish Tourist Board, and the Great Recession hit in 2008. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so my career path was I just kind of was getting into the workforce in 2008 and was looking to step up to the next level in 2010. And um, th- there was no stepping up to any next level. Right. Uh, it was kind of just, it was like, sorry, uh, you're doing great, but you're going to be stuck here for a while. And um, and so I left my job at the end of 2010 and moved back to the United States. My my brother actually had had a very severe bicycle accident in 2009, and that made me really feel the distance be, okay. being in Scotland and having family in the United States. And so I moved back and at the end of 2010 with every intention of getting a job, but we were still in the throes of the recession. <laughs> and my resume went out and got nothing back. And so... You know, uh, I had a former, a former boss and a few other people say, you should just run your own business. And that either means that I'm strong-willed and can do it, or I'm a horrible employee. I don't know what that means. So I just went out and started pounding the pavement in, uh, in March 2011, okay. uh, basically offering digital marketing services for small businesses who wouldn't have the million dollar budget that we had at like visit Scotland. You know, I was like, I can do this for less money for small businesses. So that was March, 2011. And now we're here, uh, nine years later. So yeah, I don't even know what year it is. I don't even know what day of the week it is anymore. Yeah. How are you doing through all this, um, COVID stuff? Not to make this a COVID conversation, but it's, it's relevant. Yeah. I mean, um, personally doing pretty okay. Uh, My husband and I are very lucky. We both work for ourselves and we both can work from home. Being a digital marketer, as long as I have a laptop and an internet connection, I really can do my work. And my husband builds race cars out of our garage. So as long as he can get supplies, yeah, as long as he can get supplies and has customers, he can do it. And so um, we really are, were in the best of situations. In that case, April business-wise was pretty tough. We both took a hit he experienced um, some of the parts manufacturers in the United States were shutting down. And so he wasn't able to get parts uh, and everyone got real scared and spooked. So they weren't ready to spend money. Right. 
but uh, turnaround come May, it, it, it picks back up. And so we're very grateful uh, to be in the position that we are. We don't, we don't have to actually work with people face to face. So it's okay. Uh, my dad is in his eighties and going through cancer treatment. And so I've been unable to visit with him in person this whole time. And that's, that's tough on a personal level. My sister was ready to get married on April 3rd in Ireland. And so that has been canceled. She initially pushed it off to the end of September, but she's just gone ahead and canceled it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we're definitely on a personal level. It's been a little bit tougher. And actually my husband and I were exposed by one of his customers back at the beginning of June. His customer um, thought he had a sinus infection, went to the doctor. They gave him a COVID test. It came back positive. And he had been at our garage um, visiting with my husband a few days earlier. So we put ourselves in a two-week quarantine and we never experienced any symptoms, but we've certainly been touched for by it in a few different ways. So, yeah. Especially with your dad with cancer, you have to worry about that. Yeah. It's not fun. No, it's tough. For, it's very tough for them. Being elderly and his primary primary caregiver is his wife, who's also in her 80s. So okay. it is it's tough. I've tried to, you know, bring him by groceries, drop him off on the front porch and step away and um, give him some food from our garden and give him eggs and stuff from our chickens. So we try right. to do the best we can. Let's talk about that for a second. I mean, mm-hmm. you kind of uh, a lot of listeners won't know where uh, Florence, right? Won't really know where that is. Lugoff. Okay. Not that Lugoff. far. Okay. I, 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 hey. Um, <laughs> it is kind of out, what we'd say, the middle of nowhere, right? So what, what feeds mm-hmm. the, what, what are you making the garden for? You just want the fresh food? I know you're, I know you're vegetarian. Yeah, I'm actually vegan, vegan so n- okay. no milk or eggs either. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, we live in Lugoff, which is, uh, it's only like 30 minutes outside of Columbia. So, um, okay, so it's not that far. Okay. It's not that far. It is, you can say it's middle of nowhere because it's not a town. So mm-hmm. we don't have like a council and we have no zoning, which means that, yeah. um, so we still have, uh, our house is like on a two acre lot. So we're quite lucky to have a good bit of, you know, land in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can have whatever animals we want on it. And, um, my husband started a veggie patch, maybe, five or six years ago, just, um, we're both environmentally conscious. And so, um, growing our own food is something that we want to do. I'm also health conscious being a triathlete and just, mm-hmm. um, you know, you don't really have control over the food in the supermarket. So, you know, this was something to get into. Now my husband is, uh, not a very good teacher. So the garden has really been his purview. <laughs> like he, he's like, just watch me do it. But I'm like, I'm not going to stand around and just watch you do it. (laughs) So when um, actually the beginning or the end of last year, I found a regenerative gardening class online and regenerative gardening and farming is a eco-friendly way to, uh, to grow your own food. And so I did that online course and now I'm able to get into the garden, um, which is fun. There's, we have to have his beds and my beds. He doesn't like me in his beds, but <laughs> we're getting there. Cross-contaminate your beds. Then. Well, you know, he's been doing this for five years and I've only been doing it for, you know, a few months. But, oh my goodness. Yeah, I know. The joys of, of ego, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah hey. <laughs> um, part of regenerative agriculture is incorporating animals into it. And my father-in-law kept chickens. He had 15 chickens and he passed away in November of last year. And so... Part of that, I said, you know, we really need to get the chickens over here. So we 
we with the downtime with COVID, there was no more excuses and had to build a chicken coop from scratch because we couldn't oh, wow. find a chicken coop. Nobody was delivering them. And then most home flocks are quite small. So it's easy to get like a three bird or a five bird. But when you say, no, we got 15 birds coming, they're just like, we don't have anything that's going to accommodate that many birds. So my husband built one in a run and we we went out to the house and he hooked the chickens and threw them in the back of the truck. <laughs> we drove eight miles and let them go. And, and they, they all survived. We had one pass away, not in the transport, but just nature okay. woke up and one had sure. passed, but we have 14 health. Yeah. yeah. We have 14 healthy birds that are laying. Uh, and um, it's been, it's but been you know, really nice. Yeah. You don't eat the eggs. I don't. I know. Does that's people ask me that. Yeah. My husband eats. Okay. That's the only thing is my husband now eats like we get, I mean, eight to 12 eggs a day. And he <laughs> eats about seven to eight eggs a day at yeah, this yeah. point. And I'm like, everything in moderation. I'm not sure if that's pretty, <laughs> like super yeah. healthy. But um, yeah, we do. So I'm always like, can I give some eggs away? You know, and uh we're working on it. That's cool. Now, I mean, you said when we first started that you're kind of all over the place, but that, that's also why I've been wanting to talk to you. Um, how, the, so you have a podcast, um, Eco Interviews. Is, yeah. Is that a direct result from just your interest in, in uh, like the gardening and bringing the birds in? Yeah. So, um, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s i think we grew up hearing about acid rain and then reduce reuse recycle and so i think my generation has always been brought up that there are things happening in the climate um now as to whether i thought about my actions and what they what effect they had i i didn't really grow up that way um but my brother-in-law actually was very environmentally conscious and a bit of a doomsdayer on that in the sense that we've completely screwed everything up and it's not going to get any better. Mm -hmm. His reaction to that was to kind of isolate and he's, he's going full self-sustainable farm, okay. like going off grid. And that is, there's many people who go in that direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so my husband was getting into that, seeing, you know, the depressing parts per million of carbon in our atmosphere, um, you know, methane being released with permafrost def uh, melting and, and this sort of stuff. And it, it can be depressing. It's um, you can look in, you can yeah. Google this stuff, sixth extinction <laughs> and the great grief and all that sort of stuff. And um, I certainly didn't ignore it, but it, it wasn't in my way to just give up on it uh, in the sense mm -hmm. that I'm. I don't want to self-isolate and just cut myself off. And so as I was learning, I, I wanted to learn more. And okay. so I'm reading more, I'm reaching out to people more. And as I was doing that, I find this stuff is so interesting because there's just so many parts of it. There's energy policy, there's food production, there's uh, waste, there's plastic. I mean, it is huge. Everything we do has, has an effect. So I thought, well, why not record this and share it with people? Maybe there's other people interested. And so it's a really good way for me to talk to some amazing people. Like I interviewed um, this week, I interviewed Queen Quet, who's the queen of the Gullah Geechee Na Nation, oh, yeah, which okay. was amazing. <laughs> it was a kind of a, I didn't know if she would respond. She's been very active recently. Um, Gullah Geechee Nation down in the Sea Islands are um they are celebrating their 20th anniversary of being sort of codified this this okay. month. And so having the eco interviews has has opened those sorts of doors for me to be able to speak to amazing people. And then it's such an easy way digitally now to just share all of that oh, through podcasts, through video, through blogs, social media. So 
that's kind of how I got on that kick. That's cool. That's cool. And see that that's important because uh, you know a lot of people will they will just bitch about things, right? They'll just they'll see something that they perceive as an injustice, and they'll just like the extent of their ire is just a Facebook post. <laughs> you know, you see a lot of that now, but but you've gone further than that. I mean, you've actually started with yourself mm -hmm. doing what you can at home. And now you're taking it out farther than that through the podcast and just sharing the information. I mean, that's, I mean, that's why we're here. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> and that's a lot of the stuff I'm doing. And it's been a, a long journey of introspection of me growing and meditation and, mm -hmm. and this sort of stuff is I, I am sick of bitching about stuff. You know, if things are going to get me wound up, then I want to find actions I can do that right. empower me. And especially with environmentalism, it can be, like I said, it covers so many things. It can be overwhelming, mm -hmm. but what I want to bring it down to is like a human individual level so that people can understand you can start with one thing that's easy for you that interests you just start with one thing and and build on that and then it becomes something bigger so it starts with taking tote bags to the grocery store instead of using plastic bags and then who knows where it goes from there it really goes where your interest is and the sort of things that you want to do with your life well said let's that's a good segue into the uh the fitness to your mm -hmm. triathlons i imagine it started in much the same way yeah it starts a lot of things in my life come from admiring uh, people or a group of people and um, you know I saw triathlon on TV and thought that's those people are badasses <laughs> and then there was like a local triathlon right. uh, in I was living in Massachusetts at the time like a sprint triathlon in August 2012 and so I signed up for it in June and I trained and and survived and and then I got the bug because another thing is a few things like uh like I did languages in university and music because I admired musicians and multi and people who can speak multiple languages. And, and not only is it, I admire that I want to do it, but when I do it, if it's difficult, that makes me want to do it better. If I finish that and say, I can do better at that. If I work at it, that's me hooked usually. <laughs> so yeah. What is that? What is that? What is that that gets us excited? That challenge? I think ultimately I always want to do my best. And so when I come off of something and I know I can do better, then it drives me to do better I th for me personally. Yeah. That's awesome. Speaks mm -hmm. to your character. So what, um, what are some of your biggest accomplishments as a triathlete? Um, I mean, the top accomplishment now at this point certainly is um, qualifying for Team USA at the um, age group level. So not professional, but uh, I qualified for Team USA in 2018, which meant I got to compete at the ITU World Championships in Lausanne, Switzerland last year in 2019. And that was at the Olympic distance. And that was amazing because, um, well, I mean, it's the World Championship. So mm -hmm. that's awesome <laughs> i got to see all the elites like we're all in the same place i got right. to wear the same uniform that the olympic u.s athletes wear that's always cool and i had my name on it you know that's so incredible. yeah and um still you know that i see with triathlon canceled i still follow like itu and world triathlon so they're circling back through races and they show the photos from lausanne and it's, of course it's the elites and the juniors but i'm still look at those and say i raced on that course and that was amazing for sure <laughs> uh, it's funny how i mean i know i know where you're at you're you don't want to say you're like top of the line there but uh <laughs> you know, i mean come on man a triathlete at olympic distance is not easy 
No, it's it's not. Um, like, yeah, I've, I mean, I personally tried the sprint distance. And I almost, <laughs> like, I'm never doing that again. <gasps> it didn't catch you then. You did that, and you said one and done. It wasn't <laughs> no, I like I got to do done. better. <laughs> it's very painful. Yeah, it is definitely. And I will tell you, a sprint is painful the same way that like sometimes a 5K is more painful yeah. than a half marathon. It is like yeah. full on. And so, yep. um, I didn't even try to qualify for sprint because I actually really hate the sprint distance. Mm. If there's like anything that's going to make me pass out or throw up at the end of a race, it is a sprint distance triathlon right. for right. sure. But the Olympic distance suits me well. I'm, I wasn't a swimmer growing up. I mean, I swam, but I didn't compete. Um, but I'm, I'm a strong swimmer for someone who didn't grow up competing in swimming. And so right. the Olympic distance has a longer swim in terms of the rest of the course. And that okay. sets me up. I have a really strong bike and so I can hold it. And then I have to hold on for the run. I'm not like a sprinter. So I just have to really be in myself and not psych myself out and do right. it. Um, this year was a year I was going to go up into long distance cause it's, it is kind of common with triathletes that the sprint in the Olympics suits younger athletes. And then as they get older, they move into the long distance stuff. And, right. um, I feel like I have a lot to do there. I I've done nine half Ironmans, 70.3s. I have not done a full distance Ironman that this was the year I was supposed to do Ironman Lake Placid gotcha. this year, but it will be 2021. Right see what i can do in that distance <laughs> see if i can finish it <laughs> it's 2021 for a lot of our outdoor uh competitions that's just how it's going to be mm -hmm. um well can you talk to me a little bit about your training like what what kind of approach do you take uh one being a vegan athlete but then mm -hmm. also um you know i'm i'm not incredibly familiar with the world of of training for a triathlon uh, you know I'm, i'd be pretty pretty unelegant in my approach <laughs> um, so maybe you could just enlighten me a little bit about how both of those play together. Yeah. So um, for the first seven years of triathlon, I trained myself, which was just haphazard, like go for a run, do a bike, do a swim. In training, you rarely do a swim, bike, run back to back. Like that's incredibly hard on your body. So you don't you don't really you save that for race day. That's something you save gotcha. for race day. But um, you certainly do like of bike and then run off the bike because that transition from bike to run is very different from doing a standalone run right. and your yes, legs. Yeah. And your legs feel weird and your heart's going crazy. And so you have to practice that. Um, when, excuse me, um, coming out of 20, 2017 season, I felt like I had more potential and I knew that I didn't know what I was doing because I I'm not a I never did sports science or or training or anything mm -hmm. like that, and I had also just gone vegan in 2017. So okay. um, I found a coach, uh, Marnie Sumble from Try Marnie. She Try Marnie Coaching and Nutrition, and I chose her because well I'd followed her on Facebook. She lives in Greenville. Her and her husband are the coaches, as okay. well as another guy called Joey. Uh, I chose her because I really liked their philosophy. It wasn't, it wasn't super high volume. I knew that if I was going out for three hour runs all the time, that I would get injured. That was one of the reasons I even went into triathlon. Is I used to just run, but I always had IT band issues. I just it beats my body up a lot. Mm -hmm. So I uh, and then the second reason I went with her is because she is a registered sports dietitian and she's a vegetarian. So. I wanted to tap into her and be like, look, I've gone vegan and I do, I have done a lot of research around it and I think I'm being healthy, but you know, you are the professional. So I'd really 
uh, like your expertise in this to support me. And I didn't want a coach who was going to get on my case about being vegan um, and be like, oh, you're not getting enough protein (laughs) or whatever, you know? And so your problem is you need to eat steak. Yeah, Uh, that's (laughs) trying to do something here. Yeah. Yeah, So um, she's been uh, I've been with them now. This would have been my third season and they've just taken me from I knew I was as high as I could get doing this on my own. And now they're just bringing me up to a higher level. And that's Hmm. and like I said, they're not high volume coaches. Um, So sort of like they one great thing also about having coaches is that they write your workouts for you. And so that takes a lot of stress off of me before when I was training myself, I probably a really big week for me would be eight hours of training. It usually was six or less just because. I'd wake up and be like, what am I going to do today? (laughs) And that's not really a recipe for success. Um, Now I train anywhere from 10 to maximum 20 hours a week. And I might only have like two 20 hour weeks in a year. And they do the periodized, I don't know, you know, they do periodization with the training. So you do your base and your build and then you get recovery. And um, I do probably like three, three to four swims a week. Um, three bikes a week, probably one outside, two on the trainer, probably three runs a week. And there's also strength incorporated in there. Uh, strength work is very much about mobility. It's not about heavy lifting. It's about mm-hmm. standing on one leg and doing shoulder presses, um, you know, working all those tiny, tiny muscles. And that has been huge for improving my run um, and preventing injury for sure. Cause it's just, when you're not strong that way and we're not because we're sedentary, you know, we don't build up all these core muscles, our glutes are weak and that's your engine. Um, so when you run and you throw your foot on the ground and you're wiggling all the way up, that's all your power going out. And so mm-hmm. when you strengthen everything up, every foot stroke is going to move you forward and reduce injury, make you faster and reduce the stress on your body. So, right. Right. Mm-hmm. How's that? How does that play into your endurance? Um, well, so my coaches say that, uh, long distance triathlon is a strength endurance sport. So you have to be strong. Uh, you know, we're starting the marathon after 112 miles on the bike and a 2.4 mile swim. So you're starting 26.2 mile run about as tired as you can possibly be. And that's a huge part of our training. Instead of going out for four mile runs, is they make you really tired during the week. So you have muscular muscular fatigue. And then they okay. say, now you have an hour and a half run and make it the best run. And best means, you know, good form, breathing well, not sprinting. So right. you'd have to do everything tired. <laughs> so, uh, so they're making you tired during the week from training volume? Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it, yeah, and not necessarily volume. I mean, it's it's the training volume is there, but it's um, you know you have some sort of high intensity stuff in there. So, example, go for a thirty minute very light run. So practice your form, feet, light feet, and then at the end do six times fifteen second sprints up the hill with forty five seconds walking down to recover. So you're doing all the fast stuff at the end, so you're already tired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Um, uh, you know, following your path, you, you start playing with triathlons yourself and then you seek out more professional coaching. How do you manage your discipline? Um, because, you you know, we all know you can't get anywhere without discipline, right? What is it? I don't know if you watch Jocko. What does Jocko say? Discipline equals freedom. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, 
discipline, mindset, and preparation. You know, how do you mm-hmm. how do you go into that? And and we're just talking about one aspect of your life. You're also running your own business mm-hmm. in a podcast and, <laughs> and everything else and in a chickens. Farm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how are you? How are you staying on top of all this stuff? Um, I think it really comes down to if if it's something you really want to do, you're going to make the time for it. <laughs> That's the reality, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, from with discipline. I don't feel like that's something I've personally struggled with. Uh, even at a young age, I started like playing classical piano age five. And so mm-hmm. I had to make sure that I did my practicing and all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And I'm a goody right. two shoes. So like, you know, meh, I did that, you know, <laughs> so I haven't struggled so much with that, but I, it is always good to have that goal in mind. So I think I had a really good year of training in 2018 um, with triathlon because I had new coaches. That was exciting, but I also had this big goal of qualifying for Worlds. So anytime I was right. really hurting, I was like, you have to qualify for Worlds. And that pushed me mm-hmm. through it. Um, with the business, uh, I'd have to really um, just check in with myself to know to see if the work I'm doing is is what I want to do or if it's meaningful. And that's something that I've evolved in the past nine years um you know doing stuff just for money is it pays the bills but it's ultimately unfulfilling and i find i burn out when i'm taking on projects that i'm doing only for the money and so i've really been trying to reshape my business to work with brands and in industries that i feel um passionate about and so i'm getting paid to do something i'm passionate about and that doesn't happen overnight but i'm after what feels like three years of hammering on this, I'm starting to, to get results. And so for me, I have to have that. The passion helps me with my discipline for sure. So. Do you feel like you've, I, I talk to a lot of people about this. Um, you know, I do, uh, I own a gym. We do coaching um, like that, just general fitness. We have athletes we work with. We have uh, NBA people we work with, uh, college basketball uh, I work with martial artists, um, but then there's also the business side, and then everybody, you know, they love to use this term. I say they. That's probably a little more uh, confrontational than it should be. People love to use this term, work-life balance, mm-hmm. right? But I, I don't myself, and I'm interested to get your perspective on this. I don't particularly think that it's about balancing your time or whatever it is between work and like life. Like I don't know what work is it's life as far as i'm concerned but to me i like to talk about engineering your life designing your life do you feel like you've done that i mean it sounds like you definitely have since uh if i get the year wrong i apologize 2018 mm-hmm. um to now based on what you just said but i mean how, how do you what do you think about that do you think you've engineered your life yeah i mean what i say to my husband all the time is that we have to make the life that we want for ourselves and i feel like i've been saying that uh, back and forth to him for a good few years now. And I feel like we're doing that. And yeah, the, the work life balance, you're right. It's a buzz. It's a buzzword that I don't okay. think exists. I think you always have to check in with yourself and what your goals are for this time in your life and understand that, that, that things are going to shift to get what right. you want. So, you know, there's, there's an analogy that people have used that you, every day you have like a cup of energy and you, only pour so much out and and once it's empty it's empty and so i have to look at what i'm doing on a day-to-day basis and understand that i might need to change things so you know doing 
training for my first Ironman was a conversation I had to have with my husband. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm doing that, there's going to be times where he's going to have to step up and help me because mm -hmm. I'm going to have to spend more time training and racing and recovering. Right. Um, and so it can't just be Fiona's individual thing. And even speaking with my coaches um, for this year, and again, everything's out the window now, we'll do 2021. I did. I planned my races up to this Ironman at the end of July and said, I don't want to do any more races. Well, I don't want to like go ahead and, and reserve races after that because I really don't know how I'm going to feel after doing right. my first Ironman. Right. Like I might just be totally broken. I hope not, <laughs> but right. there is a chance it would be. And right. if I had put the pressure on myself to like be racing again in the next month, that might tip me over the edge. Um, yeah. Or I could come out of that feeling awesome and just be like, all right, end the season. We're going for it. But also I knew that I was making a shift in my business because I had some unhappiness around the work I was doing that I said, I know there's a big shift coming up in my business. So I need to have a check in at the end of July because I might need to spend more time in my business to make it the way I want it to be. And so that's always shifting. Um, same with incorporating the farm and the farm, the garden, the mini farm. Sounds like you know, a farm to me. You have chickens. <laughs> yeah. The chickens mean, for example, like how do me and my husband go on a vacation now? You know, yeah. we would have to find someone that would come feed the chickens and the fish and the dogs. Yeah. Um, and so again, it's just the time that's in our life and we, ha and it's always changing. So uh, we have to check in with each other and check in with ourselves. My husband just took a big, a huge job, his biggest job on ever building a race car from nothing. Uh, and so he knows, though, that taking that on that the next four months, mm -hmm. that's all he's doing. He normally races bicycles. Well, all the races are canceled. So he's made right. that decision. Well, you know what? I'm going to take this job. It's a big job and I'm not racing anyway. So, right. you know, that's kind of how what we work. You, what would you have to say to there's a lot of people. And, and again, I, I said it. I don't want to make this a, a COVID-19 show. But again, it's relevant to this conversation. Mm -hmm. I found, you know. Uh, in, in our membership at the gym, there's about half of the members who, um, honestly, they're going to come back whenever this is all over. And we've already seen some that have started to come back. They're down 15 pounds. Like, they're stronger. Mm -hmm. They've been working on their business. They've been working on themselves improving. But then there's about a half that's, I think, eating all the potato chips out of Publix <laughs> in, the, in West Columbia. Like, what what would you say to those people who maybe are struggling a little bit like to, to get their mental bearings. I, I don't know what it is. You know, we're still trying to figure it out. Yeah. It's, re it's really tough. Um, a big, a big advice I would say would be, be kind to yourself. I have to tell myself that all the time. So there's a lot of expectations to like do the self-improvement stuff and I'm all about self-improvement. So I've certainly enjoyed the downtime to be able to build a new bed and dig a pond and whatever. But at the same time, um, there was some really scary times when this first kicked off in right. March and April. And I, it's funny, I'm kinder to other people than I am to myself. And so when I find myself mentally beating myself up, I actually step out and say, what if this was so-and-so you would be like, girl, go take a nap. So I'm like, Fiona, go take a nap, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so there's that part for sure. Um, this is a time with everything slowing down to do all those things that we say we don't have time to do, you know? So uh, right, as right. a triathlete, I don't have time to do the, my strength work to work out as much as I want. Well, guess I what? I, I do now. Yeah. So, you know, there's no, there's no reason not to. Um, 
Yeah, I think as well, when it comes to treating yourself, this is something I've been investigating or thinking about. Um, you see people say, like, treat yourself, and they have a picture mm-hmm. of, like, a dozen donuts, right? <clears throat> That's, yeah. And, and, and the treat yourself thing has become a big deal because people have more time and maybe they feel like, well, I can binge on that Netflix show forever because that's what I've, that's my treat to myself. Right. Well, my, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. We, sh- we've binged on, we did, Tiger, yeah, we've done Tiger King, you know, it was Tiger King. I, I, I watched like half of that first episode. And I had to, oh. You get to push through to number two or three, yeah. believe me. Okay. But, um, the treat I've changed the way I treat myself, treat yourself because well, one thing with going vegan and, and, and being so healthy is that the treat yourself in terms of like having a bottle of wine and dozen donuts to yourself makes me feel horrible. So yeah, that's yeah. not treating myself. Like I right. know I'm going to feel like crap after that. Right. So um, that doesn't excite me anymore. And, and similar with spending a whole day on the couch, watching something that, is not a treat. So I would encourage people who are in the treat, treat yourself and using destructive things to treat themselves to find something that's actually productive to treat themselves with. And that could be that um, one of my treat yourself things is putting the hammock up in the backyard and sitting in the hammock, you know, like that, that's quiet time. And, and it's good, you know, Um, but I understand that that's difficult. So it's, it's not to put judgment on anyone, but I certainly would, investigate your treat yourself uh activities <laughs> that's uh interesting uh, a person i follow in the the crossfit world use that word um uh, ben bergeron he says champions are built in the mind first mm-hmm. right what does that mean to you um what i've discovered over the past decade is the thoughts in your head most definitely are the biggest determination of where you're going in your life. And so I've allowed negative thoughts to, to prevent me from doing things out of fear or out of rejection or whatever it may be. Um, A huge shift for me was reading um, the four agreements by um, Don Miguel Ruiz. I'm sure you've heard of that. No, I haven't. Oh my goodness. So this. this is, this is awesome. I heard about this on a podcast, but um, the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, it's super easy to read. I actually reread it multiple times a year. And the four agreements are, um, the first one is be impeccable with your word. And impeccable means, comes from be uh, sinless. So it means, you know, basically don't talk shit about other people, but a huge part is don't, it's also your thoughts. Don't think bad or poorly. Don't think sinfully. I mean, it's not like you can't say that guy's, that guy was a dickhead to me. He might've been, but I mean, uh, and then it's also internal, like don't speak ill of yourself internally. Um, so that's like, are you got, first of all, am I speaking ill of myself? Like, Mm. just don't do that. Change it. Like notice it, that it's happening and, and change it. Um, and then like, don't gossip, uh, and that's hard that one of the things he talks about is as children watching adults, adult conversation, a lot of time is gossip. So we have to find a way to not do that. If you're in a conversation, change the conversation, or if you're around people and that's all they do, then maybe those aren't the right people. Cause I found that that can suck a lot of your energy. So yeah. <laughs> you <know>, that's, that's <laughs> tough. The, um, the second agreement is don't take anything personally. And that is huge. So, yeah. 
so-and-so is doing something over here and you're taking it personally, it's, it's them. They're doing it for them. Like right. even think about yourself. Like, why did I choose to do this? It's really about me. It's not about someone else. So right. that, that was freeing as well. Mm. Um, the third one is don't make assumptions, which is fantastic. So how do you not make assumptions? You ask questions. So, you know, I catch yourself like, Oh, so-and-so, First of all, if you're saying so-and-so did this and they did it because, well, you're not being impeccable with your word, right? Because you're being a little sassy. But also you just put a reason there that you really don't know. So to prevent assumptions, um, always ask questions. Mm -hmm. And then the final one is always do your best. And you know that resonated with me. I didn't have to work on that so much. And the best is not a comparison of someone else. It's what your best is right now, right here. So if I'm sick in bed with a fever... My best is being in the bed and getting better. It is not going out and trying to run. Right. Um, And that's huge. You know, that's stop comparing yourself to others. Do the best that you can do right here, right now. And so, yeah, the four agreements for me is just life changing. I've recommended it to a few people. Yeah. Four agreements. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll make sure that's linked up too, because everybody's going to want to read that. Mm -hmm. Um, You just blew through like five of my questions. We just (laughs) got one reference. It's all good. Um, (laughs) But I, I do want to. I want to dig into something though. Um, one of the things you said was, uh, if someone is saying something to you or doing something, and you're, you know, you're feeling it, it's not you, it's them. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times, I I do see, you know, in myself and people I coach and stuff that ego gets in the way. Mm-hmm. Right, and ego is really tricky because <laughs> mm-hmm. when we say the word ego, we think you know, some big douchebag, like, you know, yelling at, you know, protesters or whatever. Like, yeah, we mm-hmm. get it. That's ego. But ego can also be good. Mm-hmm. Right? You can also use it. Ego is the thing that made you think you could even run a triathlon in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how do you how do you reconcile that personally for yourself dealing with maybe a shitty business situation oh or also, you know, thinking, hey, I can go do that uh, Ironman triathlon? Um. Yeah. So, so ego, ego is tough. I think, especially maybe being a woman, it's different as well. We, as children are not brought up to, to have an ego, to be honest, uh, at least oh, I wasn't, yeah. I, I can't speak for every right. woman, but I was always told to, to be humble and oh, yeah. uh, you basically, be nice. yeah, be nice. Exactly. Be nice. Don't, yeah. don't rock the boat, all that sort yep. of stuff. So, whereas like boys might be taught, like if someone comes at you, you go with them, you know, like I was never taught that I was told, just let it uh, roll off your back, you know, don't, don't oh, cause yeah. problems. So, uh, yeah. So uh, I think ego, a good sense of ego is it's there to protect you, protect you from that. And so that's something I've actually had to work on is, is being able to stand up for myself. Cause I just was very much told to let things roll off my back, but that mm-hmm. allowed, I allowed myself to be, you know, emotionally or verbally abused with that attitude. Um, I think confidence has to come from putting the work behind it. So uh, in the sense that I believe I can do an Ironman, the only reason I believe I can do that is because I have my coaches behind me. I trust my coaches. I've done all this work. You also get the guys in triathlon who, who haven't done the work and just do the Ironman. And that to me is, (laughs) is, is real ego. And some of them make it and some of them don't. And I, 
it's hard for me to understand that. I I have to find a way to approach that with yeah. kindness. And I don't know if I have, because I almost find that to be a little bit disrespectful mm-hmm. to just be like, yeah, I haven't done triathlon, but I'm going to do the longest triathlon right. there is, you know, right. I just want to be like, respect the distance, but right. I get it is, I guess it's like a checkbox thing. They want to be able to say, I'm an Iron Man. Um, so I don't know. Ego is is a is a different one, and I mm-hmm. and I do feel as a woman to be in a different position than maybe other people are. I do think boys are brought up to have a bigger ego. Not everyone can't speak for everyone. Uh, at least my upbringing as a girl, I was mm-hmm. my ego was trampled. So mm-hmm. um, my any confidence I have comes from being prepared physically or mentally. If I'm going in to do right. a pitch or something like that, I do more research than anyone could ever think of part of the eco interviews is me doing my research and just sharing that you know um and so that's that's how i build up confidence yeah that's awesome you use it as a weapon i dig it (laughs) yeah uh yeah one of the i I teach a lot i've done martial arts my whole life one of the i do a lot of uh self-defense seminars and one of the first things that I, i i didn't come up with this someone taught this to me and then i passed it on when I'm when I'm working with a room of ladies, is the first thing is I tell them is that you don't have to be nice. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be nice. If somebody's being a dick, they're a dick. You know. Yeah. Just, just let them know. Are you familiar with David Doggins? Yes, I am. I've heard him on a podcast. I haven't read his books, but I have heard yeah. of him. Yeah. He, he makes me think what you were saying. You know, he's one of those guys. I think I'm one of the few people that um not a huge fan. You know, he's like, a bit harsh for me. I don't need yeah, someone to be it, like Ooh, on me. This and it's that work same uh, approach of like, you know, I don't, I can just go and run a hundred miles, you know, cause I'm tough and mm-hmm. he is tough. He's probably mm-hmm. like the toughest human being I've ever read about. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's sort of that same thing where it's like, Hey man, that's cool. But like, you know, I put in the work here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a very difference between uh, arrogance and, and ego and confidence is a very t- fine line. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so conflict, how do you handle conflict, conflict resolution? Are you good? Or are you bad at that? Um, uh, I, it's a work in progress for sure. Yeah. I grew up in quite a, like high conflict household. My parents were not in a happy marriage. And so I'll say when I went out into the real world, like, you know, from 18 to 28, I was super conflict averse. And so that again, playing into being told to always be nice, mm-hmm. just, I just allowed myself to be abused. And so a huge part of me, you know, stepping into my late thirties and soon to be entering my forties has been building up my ego to protect myself and being able to stand up and say, that's not right. What I found is when there's a time, if someone is uh, like, okay, if you're training a dog and they do something wrong, you're supposed to reprimand the dog Mm -hmm. at the time it happens. The dog's not going to know if it poops in the house. And then three hours later you say bad dog, they don't put two and two together. So conflict resolution. I think if you can realize there's something going on, it's best to address it as soon as possible. A big issue I had with my programming of always being nice and avoiding conflict is that I wouldn't even realize there was an issue until Uh, hours later or days later. And then it builds because I've realized something and then I've let it sit for too long and then it becomes a thing. It becomes a thing in my head. And then when it's expressed, it's an even bigger thing. And so my work in progress with conflict resolution is to try and, um, try and bring it up as soon as possible before it's not a big deal. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm also trying to get 
getting better at setting my boundaries ahead of time. So in business, I've even had to like put an addendum in my contracts about things like these are my work hours. This is how I want to communicate. Um, you know, I, I even have a line there. It says, you know, racism, sexism, and ageism won't be tolerated because I've had clients be openly racist in front of me and be ageist and be sexist. And mm. those were situations where I didn't even realize it until hours later. And I felt some sort of way about it. So, right, right. um, I'm trying to be stronger with putting boundaries up before there's a conflict, but, if I'm feeling some sort of way, examining why I'm feeling some sort of way. And if it's something that needs to be brought up to try and bring it up as soon as possible. So it doesn't become some big emotionally charged issue. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. That's hard to do. It's hard to, I mean, especially in business, you know, you're trying to get money from these people. Like, yeah, you know, you're like, how do I tell you that you're being a dick? <laughs> it's kind of hard to do. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I've, yeah. I've seen some things. Um, I think similar to, you know, racism or sexism or whatever. And, and you do, you know, it's, it's, I'd like to think that, you know, now I would, I'd be like, yo, that's not, that's not what we do here. Um, but you know, money is, it's funny how it changes the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I'm examining as well. And when it comes to human relationships is that, Everything has become a money transaction, it feels like, mm -hmm. uh, almost even on a personal level, our society, our communities have been broken. You know, we've, yeah. we, we, we live in houses and we get in cars and we drive to offices and we drive home and we don't speak to our neighbors. And, you know, when I first moved to my neighborhood, I'd walk the dogs and I got harassed by my neighbors. Like they didn't like it just because they weren't used to it. And uh, I don't know, dog poop issues, like talk about conflict resolution. I learned all my conflict resolution through being harassed by my neighbors over dog poop. So, uh, <laughs> and the, like the final straw ended with a neighbor pulling a gun out what? and having the police come over. So yeah, it hardened me up a whole lot. <laughs> well, you live in Lugoff. I know if that's what, yeah, that's what <laughs> I say. It's Lugoff for you, but, wow. um, yeah, but, but coming to that with business is, some clients that I'm trying to avoid or at least see before signing on to some longer term agreement is if it is just mm -hmm. a transactional relationship where they just want to hand you the cash and they don't want to hear anything from you. Just right. do the job. And those are the ones who will make those like sexist and racist comments. Uh, and they usually, and it's not necessarily directed at you. It's about someone else. And they're right. testing to see yeah. if you're going to say anything or they're just so oblivious that what they're saying is racist or sexist. Right. Um, those are the clients I want to avoid. <laughs> you right. know, I want clients where it's an open dialogue. It's a relationship. I'm here to help you, but I can, I do my best work when you are here to help me in a sense that I don't know what's in your head. You built your business. You really know your business. I need right. you to help me understand this. Um, and those are the clients that you don't have those sort of transactional, you know, I paid you. I don't want to hear from you or saying sketchy stuff as well. It's a hard place to be. Yeah, <laughs> finding those. Yeah, we in the in the gym world we say, uh, you know, transactional versus transformational. Okay, right. And as a coach, you definitely love to have that transformational relationship, right? Where you, you know, that's what we get up in the morning. We want to change people's lives. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of transactional uh, relationships in business um, as well. <laughs> it's yeah, hard to avoid those. But I, I know you did in your notes here. You sent me. You did sign up a. Um, I see a, a, a bike. A tri is it a triathlon brand or a bike bike company? It's a triathlon specific, so That's I've got cool. to rep their gear. Oh, Ace, I see. 
There you go. A squared yeah, bikes. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that was part of it. I, you know, I do digital marketing. I could technically do digital marketing for anything because mm-hmm. I basically, you know, I understand how the internet works. And so I can buy ads here and optimize your website and do emails. So, right, you know, right. it doesn't nest, I don't need to do it in a certain industry, but you know, there's only so many like roofers you can work for and get excited about selling shingles. Like bless them. Uh, I still have a roofing client, but they just got to a point where uh, I was having a lot of businesses along those lines and it it was tough. Those are definitely transactional. Uh, They just want sales and, and that's fine, but it was not fulfilling. Burnout was very high. So um, I said, well, what am I excited about? I, I know triathlon. I'm excited about triathlon. I know environmentalism. I know, uh, right. plant-based eating and these businesses will need my services there's far fewer of them but i would love to get that so two years ago now took a gamble redid the entire fgm internet marketing website to mm. be solely focused on digital marketing for triathlon and um and then a unicorn came along at sort of january of this year where mm. um a newish bike triathlon bike brand um, started in 2016. They need, they know they need to do better on additional marketing because he's just doing it himself. Um, but his, uh, reluctance with hiring a digital marketing brand is, but will they understand triathletes? Cause we're, we're like, each, yeah. Yeah. you know, like how do you speak to, uh, how does a non-triathlete speak yeah, to, you know, a triathlete similar? I wouldn't feel comfortable, um, advertising to CrossFit people, like there's certainly going to be a lingo and a mentality and the things that you talk about are going to be very different. And so and things it would, you don't talk about. Yeah. yeah and it'd be very awkward. Yeah. So he went on Google and looked up triathlon digital marketing and FGM internet marketing is number one mm-hmm. <laughs> for that. So, uh, yeah. So he gave me a call and we, cool. um, did the sort of initial dating phase of, you know, doing a strategy and all that sort of stuff to see if he would be a good client. Like we're talking about, is this transactional or is he available? And, and then, um, and then COVID hit and kind of put a pause on everything, but then we came back and, and yeah. So as of, as of June was the first month. So we're still a month or two into it. Yeah. Very Mm -hmm. cool. (laughs) And that's what we're talking about. Engineering your life, you know? Yeah. You got to talk about this crap. Why not talk about something you want to talk about while you're talking about it? Yeah. And it's super fun. So, you know, like if I'm coming up with social media content for some company that's that I'm kind of like, okay, uh, it's, it's tough. It's like, it's really tough to come up with stuff. But meanwhile, I'm on my run and having all these ideas coming and I just wish I could take them out of my head and write them down. I have to remember afterwards to write everything down. Like, Hey, I'm so excited about the the guys like, dude, I'm just do it. (laughs) That's that's a great relationship. Yeah. All right. Um, so we're all shut down, but you have set a challenge for yourself. What are you doing? That's like tomorrow. Yeah, I know. So uh, yeah, so all my races are canceled. I I said to my coach like, Ugh. they my coaches did set up like a race simulation weekend for me back uh, back on June seventh. I should have been racing that day, and that was tough. That was basically go do your own seventy point three, and yeah. Um, yeah. And I did it. I did the swim. I had a mechanical on the last 10 miles of the bike and my husband had to come pick me up. And then I was very lucky. I, I, I knew it would be hard to do by myself. So I put feelers out on social media to see if anyone wanted to join me or set up an aid station. And I had someone join me on the run and they had an aid station. So that was really cool. So I did a 70.3 by myself. That was tough. But, um, you know, I'd said to my coaches, like, I just need something, you know, and I have yet to ride a hundred miles on my bike. So, um, 
you know, I have a couple of girlfriends who are cyclists who I have seen them do a hundred mile bike ride every month or so. And so I reached out and said, yeah, reached out and said, Hey, if you're doing this again, can I join you? You know, I think my long, my longest ride to date is 77 miles. So I'm going to tack another 20 on there and uh, start at, you know, eight o'clock tomorrow and finish up at one or two, something like that. And then of course my coaches are like, and you're going to do a 20 minute run afterwards. Really? Are you kidding me? No, <laughs> they're like, this is good. You'll be tired. This is, yeah. you see the pattern here. Wow. They're like, we're going to make you really tired. And then you have to go run. So, wow. Yeah. That is incredible. Holy cow. <laughs> All right. Last thing you gave me a quote. One of the last things I, I like to do is just, I like to ask guests for a quote that they like, cause I'm kind mm-hmm. of a nerd and I like a lot of that stuff. Um, you said yours is the temptation to quit will be the greatest just before you are about to succeed. That's yeah. awesome. Why yeah. did you why did you send me that? Um that I found that quote maybe last year and it just really resonated. I feel like I it, I kind of implicitly feel that with triathlon that's certainly the case and you know you don't feel horrible in a 70.3 until like mile 10 of the run you have 3 miles left and that's almost harder than the first mile just I just know that that's the way it is, but I've, I found the need to, to repeat that to myself in personal and in, in my work life, you know, like there are many times I'm just like, I am done with this, but, um, that quote for sure, because it resonates so much with me for triathlon, I have to have faith that it is the same when it comes to business and personal life. And, and, you know, so far, business-wise in 2020, that's the case. So I was feeling like I wanted to quit in July 2019, and I just kept at it. And then we're in middle of 2020, and things certainly have turned around. So, yeah. Don't quit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting. Don't quit is like, is kind of motivating, but not really. But that idea that it's going to be really, really hard right before you get over that hill, right? right? And then- So that's a real motivator for me. And it that continues to be hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> mean, that's life. that's part of athleticism as well. Yeah. It's like my brother told me when I started cycling. He's like, "It's never not going to hurt. You're just going to get used to it." And I'm like, that's "Yeah." Right. So <laughs> pretty much. Mm-hmm. Well, Fiona, it's been awesome talking to you. Um, yeah. We're like 50 minutes, almost an hour in. Uh huh. Flew by. I appreciate you, and I appreciate your time. Oh, this was really fun. I'm I'm glad you invited me on, Gene. It was really it's great. Been too long. We'll do it again. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thanks.